Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. And we are so excited today. We have a, another author interview with us today. And we always love talking with authors. Today, we have Tony Shiloh here. And Tony, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes. Uh, so uh, we like to do when we have a new guest is we like to get to know you a little bit better and tell us a little bit about how you got started writing and uh, what inspired you to become a writer. Um, sure. So I um, kind of did a non-traditional route of writing. I went into the military right after high school. And then once I was out of the military, I went back to school, um, got my English degree. And it was while I was taking literature classes that I went ahead and took some creative writing. And I was like, this is really fun. I really want to do something with this. And I was a little bit nervous because, you know, my teachers were saying, oh, you're writing so great. But you assume that people like that are biased. Pay it to tell you your writing is great. So I entered some contests and then eventually I decided I would write a book um, from start to finish instead of always starting. And that's how I came to be. Wow. So did you grow up as a reader, would you say, or was that kind of later as well? No, no, definitely grew up as a reader. I always had my head in a book. <laughs> Yes. Uh, did you always have, enjoy romance? Yes, I've, um, I'm kind of eclectic, but I always prefer to have romance. So whether it's suspense or historical, as long as there are romance, I'm there. Mm -hmm. So you decided to, to uh, write your first book. How did you go from that sort of point to actually getting it published? A uh, great question. So I, of course, had many rejections in the beginning, um, and I ended up choosing the um, self-publishing path, and I decided I knew nothing, and it was the wrong path, so I kind of like panicked, um, <laughs> and then went to the traditional route, um, and I started out um, getting published by small press publications, and then I decided I liked both journeys, and I knew a little bit, so I've kind of been treading the hybrid waters ever since. So I'll indie publish as well as have books published traditionally. Mm. So when you got the small publishing deal, did you, you just sent them your, your uh, story or, or how did, how did that happen? I had submitted um, this story called returning home to um, a small press um, publication. And they said, yes. And they signed me up and then a few months later, they folded and I was like, I don't know what to do. So I sent it to another company. Meanwhile, um, a lady I had been talking to online, she was like, hey, I'm starting a publication company. Send me what you have. And I had already sent returning home. And I think it was like to a person that says, you know, don't send it to multiple places. So I was like, well, I have this other book. So I sent her the other book um, that I had written because the whole thing they tell you every time is once you finish the first book, keep writing. So I've been writing this whole time while I was, you know, trying to figure out who could publish me. And she's the one who ended up publishing my Maple Run series. Um, so it was four books. And then I ended up publishing the other one and returning home on my own because um, that got some rejections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so do you, uh, what's the process like? for as far as uh, editing and getting your books ready uh, for, for you to submit them? So I usually what I do is I write the first draft um, 
I really have fun. I'm at the answer, so I don't plot. I mm. really have no idea where the story is going to go. I just let the characters tell me the story, and I'll send out a chapter at a time to my critique partners. And then once I'm done writing the first draft, then I'll actually go back and I'll look at their critiques. I never look at them where I am writing a story because I'm afraid like I'll freeze or the comments will throw me off or whatever the case. So once I've done the first draft, I'll go back, incorporate their suggestions, and then I'll clean it up, send it to beta readers, and then I'll clean it up some more. And then I'll either send it to the editor or to my publisher I'm working with, and then they'll start mm. their whole process. Yeah. How did you get form your, the, your critique group? Oh, that's a great question. I actually worked a few books without a critique partner. Um, I kept trying to find one and everyone was already paired up with somebody else or in a group. Um, and then I was in this one um, Facebook group and they were talking about critique partners. And I was like, I just pathetically wrote, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> thinking like, what was me? Um, and then someone else didn't have one. And like, hey, um, one of my friends was like, you two should pair up. And we're like, okay. <laughs> um, so we paired up. And then later on, another um, friend, she was like, I don't have one either. And we're like, hey, come join us. Yeah. Um, so, and then I found my third critique partner because she needed a sensitivity reader and she liked my comments so much. She's like, you have to be my critique partner. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how I got my group. That's so cute. You're like author matchmaking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. I was going to ask if you're a pantser or a plotter. So you're a pantser, huh? I am. I've tried plotting and I always feel once I'm done, like, okay, now that I know that how the story and what's the point of writing it? Like it's mm -hmm. no longer fun for me. Yeah. Uh, so if you always wanted to write Christian fiction, has that always been an important part of it for you? Yes, definitely. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any other thought in my mind. I was like, definitely wanted to do Christian fiction. Um, I wanted to make sure that whatever I wrote would glorify God, um, whether it's light faith arc to, you know, the heavier, deeper ones. Um, I just wanted to make sure it all pointed back to him. And it was never a question for me. Um, I knew other people who had read my stories were like, I don't think you can fit in Christian fiction. And it was sort of like, in my head, I was thinking, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's a challenge. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Uh, but is it hard to sometimes work that into the story and not have it feel uh, like, have it feel, have it feel authentic to the characters? No, for me, I feel like it's always authentic because I know my characters. Mm -hmm. um, before I start writing, I make sure I know like how they are in their faith journey, what makes them tick you know, all the ins and outs that makes a person a person. Um, and I feel like because I know them so well, their their faith journey naturally grows. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I've ever had someone tell me that it, it didn't feel um, authentic. So I think I do, do a good job of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you've written for the Love Inspired series from Harlequin. Uh, what's that like working with Harlequin and in, in that series? 
Um, I enjoyed it. I started with Harlequin um, by entering um, one of their contests to find more authors. I didn't make it all the way. I got to a certain point and they're like, if you could revise it and resubmit it, then we'll look at it again. And so I was like, I have nothing else to lose. Let's go ahead and revise and resubmit. And then I got the call saying they wanted to offer me a contract. And my editor there was super amazing, super nice. Um, I recently changed um, editors, but she also seemed super um, nice as well. So I enjoy them. They've got a great team that works together and kind of makes writing for them. It takes a lot of the pressure off for me. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about about them in general, their their company and working with, with uh, authors uh, and nurturing talent. It seems like they do a good job with that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it must've been so exciting when you got your first book, when you had it like in your hands, like this is, uh, this is it. I did it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I still, I geek out with every, um, unboxing that I get. Like as soon as I see the box, I'm like, I know what's in there. <laughs> and it's the, like, do I make a bunch of noise in the house? Do I have my kids rolling their eyes? <laughs> or do I like quiet, you know, sneak away and open it by myself? Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I alternate, honestly. Like sometimes <laughs> I'm like, like holding it up, going my precious. And other times I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know I would. Too? I'd be, I'd be getting on Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I'm like, look what I got. You know, what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode. And that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. So now you are have been writing with for Bethany House uh, mm -hmm. Publishing, who have uh, been supporting our podcast, which we so appreciate that. Uh, and they seem great to work with as well. And you have this, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce Aloro. Aloro, really? Yeah. Uh, these books and uh, how did you get the whole idea? Well, I guess we should tell the audience kind of what exactly this is and how did you get the idea for it? Sure. So I've written two books in a fictional country called Aloro, LA. Um, one is In Search of a Prince right there. And the other is To Win a Prince. Um, to Win a Prince comes out next month and In Search of a Prince released in February. And it all started with In Search of a Prince you know, I saw um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle marry and a lot of uh, people in the Black community were talking like, ooh, a Black princess. And I was like, ooh, a Black princess in the story. Like, how would that work? What would that look like? Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I was at a conference um, virtual. It was 2020. 
I didn't have a story at the time. I had just happened to hit that spot where I finished the story. I didn't have one already finished to present to them. So I was like, well, they say you can't go in there with an unfinished manuscript, but I'm going to pitch one I haven't written anyways. And so I came up with the princess story. I had done a little background of, you know, uh, African-American teacher finds out she's a secret princess to an African country. And what would that look like? And so that's how I pitched it. And they were like, oh, that's interesting. You know, if you write it, um, send us the first few chapters. And I was like, well, now I'm going to write it. Like, <laughs> so I wrote the first few chapters and I sent it to them. I shortly got an agent um, afterwards. And, and it's kind of all happened quickly after that. Um, the next thing you know, I signed the two book contract with them to write these two books. Um, one of the woman who finds out she's a secret princess. And the second book is her best friend who accompanies her um, to Aloro, Italy in the first book. I absolutely love this country, even though it's made up. Maybe I love <laughs> it because I made it up. I don't know. <laughs> but I love the culture there. I love the story of how she finds out the story of her becoming queen. And then Iris' story. Everyone loved Iris from the first book. And they're like, please tell me she's getting her own story. And I'm like, yes. And it's a good one, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it was one of those places where I'm like, I don't want to leave this world. Like, I know I have to write other books, but like, can this be a real place? Can I go there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, <you're> like, <laughs> did you kind of base it off of a particular place uh, that you were thinking of? Yeah. So I kind of did it like a mix match. Um, the culture is definitely from Nigeria mm. um, I used the Yoruba tribe um, to base my cultures off in the country and then I kind of looked at um, Seo Tome and Prince P um, how they are because they're an island and then um, there's another island uh, Bioko Island um, in the area I just kind of modeled like the um, geography and whatnot of those places and I just kind of mixed it all together and you know called it Aloro Ile and so let's see what we're going to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, looked at monarchies, colonization, how it affected, um, you know, civilization in West African, Africa. And I just went from there. Yeah, I think it's, it seems like a really fun idea. And I had, I had never heard of a royal story set in Africa. Uh, and there's so many of these, whether royal movies or royal books, uh, that uh, it's, it was a very refreshing smart take I think thank you yeah um most of them are in Europe and um I definitely I was like well let's go to Africa like (laughs) yeah (laughs) I've never been so it's it's my way of traveling there (laughs) yeah some version of Genovia (laughs) this is what we usually (laughs) get eastern Europe (laughs) yes some for and they love the ovias (laughs) right yes (laughs) (laughs) and uh and so yeah that must have been an exciting time you get an agent you you're you're creating a whole country i mean that's i've never done that so that's very cool thanks yeah i definitely made lots of noise um during that time um much to the annoyance of my children they're like please (laughs) stop like yes if you scream Bethany House out one more time or talk about your <laughs> princess books, 
like we're gonna go away (laughs) (laughs) you're like deal with it (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) that's great uh well so yeah so you had the first book in search of a prince i haven't read that one uh, but i have read the to win a prince um but uh but that one is about brie then yes in search of a prince is about brie okay because she's a character in the into when a prince obviously and so they are standalone you don't need to in in the grand tradition of romance novels you don't need to have read any of the others to enjoy this and to enjoy to win a prince agreed yes yeah yeah uh so tell us a little bit about to win a prince uh and tell us a little bit about the story um sure so iris blakely um has moved to allura Ile um after visiting falling in love with the place um her deepest desire is to help um impoverished women in the country so she creates this business it's a fashion business she's gonna hire a bunch of people um to basically create a whole clothing line you know women men children and in turn um that's her goal is to um rise their economic status um in the country but of course you know i have to throw in some um love interest who is we'll call him a bad boy um it's pretty much what he is he was the bad guy one of the bad guys and in search of a prince, he's been punished for his crimes, and one of his punishments is to consult for Iris and to make sure she gets the business up and running. His storyline is very redemptive. Um, he goes from being egotistical um, prince to nothing, mm-hmm. and Iris, um, she's very head in the clouds, dreamer personality. And so um, her journey is about being grounded um, in reality um, and really focusing on what God's plan is for her instead of, you know, making up all these dreams in her head and running off with them. Um, so the two of them together, I absolutely love them. Um, I love the chemistry between them. I loved um, Iris's inner monologue and outer, um, depending on if she put her foot in the mouth. Um, and econ just like won me over as the hero i didn't realize i would love him so much until you know i'm writing this story and i'm like oh my gosh he might be one of my favorite heroes i've written so far so you had both of them in the previous book they're both characters yes okay they are uh so how how did you decide okay these are the two that we need to focus on uh great question so um when i wrote in search for prince um Irish is kind of, I won't say she took over, but when she's on scene, she's very on scene and you can't help but gravitate to her. And I knew I wanted to tell her story. So it was kind of while, while I was writing in such a prince that I'm like, who is the guy for Iris? And my brain wouldn't stop thinking about econ. And I'm like, people are going to hate him after reading this book. Like, how are they going to love him if I write him as the hero um, and to win a prince? So I wasn't yet sure how I was going to redeem him, but I knew I was going to, like, he was going to be for Iris. So when it came time to write to win a prince, um, I think my biggest fear was, like, would people stop reading and think he's too much of a mess 
um, not to continue. Um, but I don't know, even when he was arrogant, I liked him. I might, I might be the only one, but uh-huh. yeah. Um, how did you come up with that name, Econ? Oh man, I have like a, a website, um, you know, one of those baby name websites, mm-hmm. and it's got um, different um, African tribes on there. And so um, I pulled it from one of those. Um, it just sounded, it sounded regal, but at the same time pronounceable <laughs> because I didn't want to make it too difficult for the readers. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to keep Econ likable with him being so spoiled to start out? Uh, and, you know, he's sort of complaining about his stuff being taken away and, and he starts out in this kind of scandal. Was that hard, uh, challenging to write? Um, yes, definitely. Um, thankfully my critique partners let me know if I made him too far past likable. Um, then I knew to pull back some of the scenes, or explain it so that people can understand why he was having such a difficult time losing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for most of us, we're like, oh, you're complaining that you have, you know, so much money in the bank. I would love to have that amount. But when you go from, you know, tons of money to what someone would consider like a speck of money, you know, there is that, um, you know, riches to rags that I was trying to get people to realize like, yes, he is spoiled, but he's spoiled because of his environment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it also created more opportunities for him to grow um, and realize how the regular people live and why he should be grateful for the things he's had. Well, I think it also helps too, that his father is so harsh so like really everything that's taken away from him is kind of a rejection of his father uh, yes. by his father. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect thing to say. Definitely. Um, and I think, like you said, um, his, his father, um, we love to hate him. Um, if you love him at all. Um, <laughs> but it makes you understand why Econ is the way he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he wants to even take away his name at a certain point. Like it's pretty, pretty tough. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things I had decided was, was I going to redeem the father or just leave him like that? Knowing mm-hmm. that, you know, there are people in the world who never change. Yeah. Yeah. And so he got involved in the scandal with his uh, half sister. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Was she in the the first book? Yeah, she's the um, Bree's secretary, royal secretary in the first book. Um, so, uh, not to spoil it if people haven't watched uh, <laughs> in in Silverchair Prince. Um, but yeah, she's the royal secretary, and um, no one finds out towards the end that you know her and Econ are related, and um, Econ's role in being one of the eligible bachelors. Or Brie yeah. was, you know, orchestrated by Dio. That must be fun to just, I don't know, to to build up all of this intrigue scandal. <laughs> it was. I was actually surprised how much fun I thought it would be. Because, you know, normally I think, oh, that stuff's a headache. Like, how can you keep track of it all? And I admire authors who do it, but I didn't think I could. And then I start writing and I'm like, Ooh, this is fun. Now I get it. Like, 
<laughs> throw red herring here and you know uh -huh. could this person be um someone who's you know targeting Brie as well um so yeah I definitely had fun with that yeah well and you have I think a lot of fun in the in the novel with Iris and Brie and their friendship throughout that's kind of a fun dynamic yeah I love those two together um they're definitely friendship goals. Um, and it was fun to bring Brie back because um, I knew people who had read the first book would be interested to see how her life was going as well. Um, so I, I felt like every time they're together, it's like a big sleepover. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's easy. Definitely felt that. And uh, so Iris has this business called ASO that uh, helps, uh, basically it helps women sell their like their handicrafts and things like that is that right mm -hmm. yeah. that's right and so then econ has to as part of his community service has to help her and uh, so you get some of that dynamic back and forth with her being his boss and everything yep same office yes <laughs> no escaping each other i was like oh this is going to be fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> And uh, it, Econ finds God in throughout the story. And mm -hmm. um, was that kind of a challenging part of the story to write? It actually wasn't. <laughs> um, so I wrote this story super duper fast, um, faster than any book I've written. Um, and I was actually going through a challenging time myself. And so my constant prayer was like, for this story out of me. Um, and it wasn't probably until like 70% on the way in that like, I realized what econ's journey was. I was like, oh, it's the prodigal journey. Like I had no clue. <laughs> and if you're reading it, it's probably like obvious to some people, but as I was writing it, I really didn't see that's how he was going. It's the prodigal story with a mean dad. That's <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's probably the mean dad that threw me off and why I hadn't realized it at first but once I did I was like oh wow I see I saw what God was doing and so that whole process it felt really organic and it kind of felt also like on a body like it was really on autopilot going in my brain like I have to finish the story before deadline mm -hmm. like I had extended the deadline because of family life that was exploding around me and so I was like you have to finish this like there's no room for error mm -hmm. um and god showed up and poured that story out and i loved it when it was over i was like this was great like yay me <laughs> <laughs> love that and i uh, yeah because he he goes kind of just to be nice and to support iris and uh, he kind of goes with a, a chip on his shoulder and uh, then the more he feels the spirit uh moving him uh the more he gets invested and he uh it was nice because he really does it on his own he i mean aside from that first time he's right. not really pressured uh to i mean iris doesn't really even know that he's doing it most of the time right and i think you know i've read some books when there's a salvation story and it feels like one character is pressuring the other yeah. person. And I didn't want to do that. It's not Iris. And I don't think it's really true to life. Like, 
I don't know. There's so many people who find God on their own. Um, yes, they may have had someone in their life praying that they would find God, but you have to do the journey on your own. Um, no amount of pushing from other people um, will help. And oftentimes that's the thing that makes a person resist all the harder mm-hmm. is if you keep pushing. Um, and so I wanted, I guess I wanted to show another way um, that you can show people God and not aggravate them with God, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, you can like introduce, but then just let them have their journey. I think yes. that's, that's true. That's the kind that actually really lasts if they you know if you if you find it uh on if you you have you have to have your own at some point you have to have your own personal conversion exactly yeah or you it's can't not, have your parents story no your friend's story like it has to be your own or it's not going to be true and authentic mm-hmm. yeah agreed uh so you had some fun kissing scenes in this book <laughs> and that must be fun to write it's so funny because usually I feel really awkward with kissing Uh scenes like I don't know why I just do and I'm all like oh is this okay (laughs) I don't know um but this one it totally took me by surprise and then afterwards I I kind of laughed to myself I was like oh my gosh this totally reminds me of my author friend Pepper Basham because she's like known for her closet kisses. Um, so I kind of had a laugh about that. But yeah, it was it was one of those things where it just worked for them. Mm-hmm. And I was like silently, well, not silently. No one is in the house with me during the day. So I'm all cheering. I'm like, yay, you kissed her. And then um, the next chapter happens. And I was like, huh, I didn't see that coming. But it's effective. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that first kiss, like you're saying, because I mean, there's that awkwardness because they do work together. Right. Uh, and, uh, but she's interested in him from the very beginning, but again, she's now his boss and she's just, and he also has the scandal. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, what's going to happen. And, uh, so I thought that was a lot of fun. And then, then the tension, once they kiss once, and then it's like, oh, you did it just to, you felt sorry for me? No. Oh, you didn't. You enjoyed it. Oh, you know, I don't know. It's fun <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with these two. I, and it's great because sometimes I feel like some books are really hard to write. Um, you appreciate the story afterwards. You're like, oh, it was so difficult to write, but I appreciate you now that you're finished. Um, and then there are books like um, To Win a Prince where I, I literally, I enjoyed writing it all the time. I was like, these two are great. Like, I love them. I would watch them all the time if I could. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to uh, cast a movie for To Win a Prince, do you, have, do you have somebody that you think would make a great econ, make a great, uh, make a great um, Iris? I do. Um, I always do Pinterest boards. Uh-huh. Um just because I'm a visual person. So usually that's like my first step. I'll, you know, cast my characters. So for Iris, I saw um, Jasmine Savoy Brown. Um, She was, I'm trying to think of like stuff she's been in. She was in um, the TV show For the People. Um, She was also in the Scream reboot. Um, And then 
I can totally see the guy I have for Egon, but I honestly cannot remember his name right now. But he's on my Pinterest board. <laughs> yeah, like Mark Taylor, I think would be perfect. Uh, I don't know if you know him, but he's oh. very swoon worthy. <laughs> Michael exactly. Xavier. Uh, so I think Michael Xavier would be perfect for uh, this to play Egon. He's he's really he's got the smolder down. And so I think he, he would be just the right amount of angst. And what does uh, he play on? Because that name sounds really familiar. Yeah. So he's in a bunch of Hallmark movies. Um, he was in one with. Um, yes, Tamara, I know. Tamara I know. Mowry. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Who yes. I think would also Ooh. would be a, would make a good Iris. Oh, she would. Yeah. Oh yes, definitely. Either of them. Yeah, she, Tia or Tamara. Tia or Tamara. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I could see Tamara because I feel like in her movie, she's a little bit more bubbly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's definitely. Yeah. yeah. There, there's she, uh, Michael Xavier did a movie for a lifetime last year. I can't even think of the name of the movie, but um, where uh, <laughs> he's, um, he's putting up uh, like a garland or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and there's all the, the people at the store are, uh, are like, you could take a little, move it around. And they're like, you take oh. a little bit longer. <laughs> just looking at it. I'm like, who everybody would do that because he's so gorgeous <laughs> yeah he's good looking <laughs> yes <laughs> a christmas uh you uh you make it feel like christmas that was what it was it was pretty fun yes uh movie but uh, he was also in a movie with jordan sparks uh for hallmark last I love year that one yes yeah. that was such a great one christmas treasure um that uh that i they had really good chemistry i could even see them both of them in this yeah jordan sparks yeah. would make a good iris mm-hmm. too yeah and i i know she's been in some faith-based films and things like that so uh that uh that would work that would work well um so yeah i think i think we could cast this really good <laughs> Yeah, you've you've done an awesome job. Yes, I like all your suggestions. I'm like picturing it in my brain now. The hallmark calls. We're ready to go. Yes. Michael Xavier, Jordan Sparks. Give us a casting director job, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh when you're what does your your family think of uh when uh, they read the books? my mom always she'll call and tell me like her favorite parts mm-hmm. um, or where she's at in the book um my dad calls me too <laughs> oh that must be fun <laughs> it is he was like he's like oh I'm visiting Oloro Ile today and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> that's great it's just yeah um he's awesome he passes out books to his neighbors and and friends I've had other friends are like oh my gosh you know I knew I knew you when <laughs> My my sister just published her first uh like she's had graphic novels and picture books but mm-hmm. she just had her first novel novel, um yeah. this just literally this week and, uh, and my dad is so cute he he was like do you have a copy <laughs> he's like he's like got like a whole box of them I'm like yes dad I got a copy <laughs> it's cute. but it's great like when parents champion you um. Yeah. I know sometimes people feel like they have to, but, you know, there are, um, you know, family members who don't read your book. So it's always great to see the ones who will champion mm-hmm. you to book lovers convention. Um, 
recently and my mom came with me and she was my assistant so oh cute um, yeah things like that it just kind of you know bolsters you and keeps you going yeah yeah definitely especially when it's it, it it's such a sweet it's not like it's got any steam or anything like that you know, right. aside from kisses you might be more a little more hesitant <laughs> steamy yeah book. My husband, he'll pass them out at work as well. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, I need you to sign this one for, he'll give me the person's name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, this is Jen Johans, host of the podcast Watch with Jen, which delivers a steady stream of great movie recommendations, thoughtful career deep dives, and first rate conversations with film critics, authors, actors, journalists, filmmakers, and more. You can find Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts or hear us first at our Patreon at patreon.com slash film intuition. All right. Well, we like to end with some fun questions. So uh, first okay. one, what is the best ice cream flavor? Ooh, I'm going to say matcha green tea. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I love it. Everyone looks at me wearing in my house when I'm <laughs> you know, eating green ice cream, but it's so good. Yeah, there you go. What's your favorite color? Pink. Oh, cute. Okay, what music are you into? Ooh, um, if it's not Christian, I'm listening to Country Station all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Okay, what's your go-to date night food? Ooh, go-to date night food. Um, Mexican or Chinese. Okay, what is your go-to date night activity if you're going out doing something fun? Um, movies or top golf. What's top golf? Um, so basically it's like um there's two ways. You can do top golf like Angry Bird style, where you just hit the golf ball wherever and it acts like a is it like a driving bird. range? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But they I I either call it like driving range via bowling style, you know, where it's oh. score. Or the Angry Bird style where you can just hit it wherever and see what happens. Cool. I have no hand-eye coordination, very little. So I, I, I've never heard of that. Uh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. I can only win at the Angry Bird style because it requires no, no actual <laughs> skill. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so what did you like better, dogs or cats? Dogs. Okay uh let's see here uh which do you like better beaches or mountains beaches okay uh what's your favorite holiday to celebrate christmas yes i mean it's hard to beat christmas because it's like a whole season it really is you know where every other holiday is just a day or maybe a week exactly Mm -hmm. so and i mean with hallmark it's three months <laughs> I know I was just gonna say that's what I was gonna say like with the Hallmark coming out you know end of October with the movies I'm like yay <laughs> yes yes I know we're already I'm recording this in in August and uh we're I'm already starting to like get ready to prep and think about kind of what we want to do and <laughs> The season's going to be here before somebody was posting the other day on Twitter only two more months till Christmas movies start and I'm like the panic begins <laughs> I'm sure you guys will do great you guys always do well thanks uh it's a lot of fun it's very overwhelming uh but uh but exciting I mean we they I think they're gonna have 
the most movies they've ever done this year uh it, it's gonna be over 40 i think over 42 which is what they had last year that makes so. me really really happy and like i'm like <laughs> inside <laughs> i'm like yay like it's funny i actually have an alarm on my phone um just because you know sometimes you're going through the day and time passes you by so i have an alarm it's like hallmark movie I mean, yes. you know, to park myself in front of the TV on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very exciting, and they had such they've had such a strong August, and uh, and the September movies look great with the mahogany movies coming out. That's very exciting, and so uh, there's lots to kind of be excited for. It's just a lot of work, uh, which is fun, and you know, I'm so lucky to be able to do what I love, but it's still a little overwhelming. <laughs> like oh yeah. but it'll be uh it'll be great i i uh i am looking i am looking forward to it and dreading it at the same time <laughs> a little bit just a little bit but uh but it's uh you can never with hallmark i think they have decisively proved you can never have too much christmas yeah agreed yeah agreed. yes <laughs> sums it up perfectly yes <laughs> well what is your favorite hallmark or romantic movie Oh man. Hallmark has so many good ones. Mm-hmm. Um like I love um Jen Lily. I love her movies. Mm-hmm. Especially the one, it's the wine one and I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the Paris Wine and Romance? Yes, that uh, one. That, love that one. That's a fun one. Dan Gina is, is very swoonworthy in it. And I just love how she is like passing out wine bottles like as her calling card it's hilarious you'd be like hi nice to meet you here's a bottle of wine but like who's gonna forget that though yeah, no one will ever true. forget that that's very true <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh yeah have you have you watched the uh science seal delivered yes i was gonna say you would love that Yes, I'm all there for the writer ones. I mean, honestly, I'm there for all of them, but definitely like the writer ones. Um, always mm-hmm. watch the ones with my favorite, you know, actors. Sorry, actors. Um, I just think I that love the Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice remakes too. Those are great. <laughs> the uh, the Science of Delivered, I think, in involves themes of faith better than anything I've ever seen. I think they do such a good job of making it natural and not preachy. And because the hardest thing I think about integrating faith into particularly film uh, Mm -hmm. is that they is to avoid making it a ministry. uh, Right. Because you want to always focus on the story. And if you're getting too focused on the ministry, then it can take over the story very, very easily. And uh, I just think she does Martha Williamson does such a great job of of telling the story and and making it authentic to the characters like we were talking about you know right. oliver's faith is just a part of who he is uh and um and he doesn't judge people he doesn't judge judge shane for thinking for feeling differently or having her own you know journey he's supportive of that so i don't know i just think she pulls that off it's extremely difficult to do as you know from writing <laughs> Right. And and like you said, it's all about, it has to be integral to who they are. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know your character and you don't know their faith, 
then it's going to come off like you're preaching or selling something. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause so- some of the faith-based films, they literally have at the end, like join our ministry and join this movement and whatever. And I always feel like, kind of like, Ooh, you missed the point of making a movie. You know, like if you want to make something for, for Sunday school, like as part of a lesson or, or whatever, then fine. But, uh, but if you're really trying to make a movie, then you, you need to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Story is very important. It connects people. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, very good. You answered all the questions. (laughs) Do I win a prize? (laughs) Yeah. Good. Keep writing great books. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> Very good. So uh, if people want to follow you on like social media or anything like that, how can they do that? Um, if you go to my website, tonyshiloh.com, you'll see all of my social media links and you can follow me. Great. Yeah. We'll have that all in the description. I'll definitely should. And we'll have a, a link to purchase the book with our affiliate link. Uh, you definitely want to check that out. Uh, and, uh, and uh, all of Tony's books. You can, you can check that out using our affiliate link. We'd appreciate it. And thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, it was really great to get to meet you. Yeah, it was great to get to meet you as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Listening, let us know what you think about all the things that we talked about and uh, leave your comments in the comment section or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Ron Tomatoes. Check that out. Also on Goodreads over there so take a look at that and uh and make sure you're following the podcast a hallmarkies pod and hallmarkies podcast all of our social media and if you are listening on itunes please leave us your ratings and reviews five stars it really helps us a lot and if you are watching on youtube please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel we appreciate that so much we also have our patron group and merch store which has tons of fun hallmark inspired designs take a look at that and uh, thanks so much tony it was great to meet you and uh yeah we'll have to have you on talking hallmark movies one of these days that would be fun yes that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) all right bye everyone